It's the Total Football New Zealand podcast. I'm Connor Clements, and I'm joined this evening by All Whites Under 23 or the Ollie Whites coach, Des Buckingham. Des, first off, thanks for agreeing to chat with us, and congratulations for being selected as the men's Under 23 coach for these uh, Pacific Games. Thanks, Connor. No worries anytime. I've listened to the podcast a few times, and you guys do a great job. So it's a pleasure to be able to, to be asked and to talk to you now. Oh, it's, it's awesome that you've listened to a few of our episodes. Um, it's always nice that when you hear that uh, they're being listened to, mate. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, Samoa, it's a bit different over there, isn't it, uh, in terms of weather, in terms of temperature? Yeah, it is. Um, it's thir- I mean, we've just got back from a game that we've, we've won 5-1 against the host Samoa. Uh, um, and it's 30-degree heat. Although the sun's not beating through, it's still 30-degree heat and the humidity is up around 90%. So it's it's very clammy, um, very humid and, and hot. Uh, so again, slightly different conditions than the, the six degrees in the rain when we left Auckland last week. So um, yeah, slightly different. And you've done pretty well acclimatising. I mean, a 13-0 win over Tonga in the first game and then the 5-1 win tonight. Um, and the boys haven't been together that long. What, what do you credit that kind of... Uh, is it the attitude? Is it the, the way the boys have kind of pulled together in a short amount of time that has seen the big wins? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, a combination of a, of a few things. Um, we've obviously had the framework to work from, from the, the recent successful uh, under-20 campaign that we've had for the last 15 months. So we've just rolled a few things through to continue that process. Um, it was very, uh, very clear when I took on that role that it wasn't just a, a 15-month role um, because what I have seen in, in those uh, age group uh, roles in particular is that there's a lot of work done by good people through the, the cycle and come the end of the cycle, that work kind of drops off because the cycle's finished. And my message all along has been this under-20s group that we've just come back from a lot of the work that we've done would transition into this 23s. Now, of course, with Fritz stepping down and, and now I'm coming in, I've been able to to bring some of that in. Um, but then you need good people uh, to come into those environments. And we've certainly got that with the 19 players that we've brought with us. Um, so that, that really helps. Um, and they've heavily contributed to continuing on, on some of that stuff, both on and off the pitch. Um, and they're a very close group already. Like you said, we've only been together for... Um, just short of a week now. We had three days in Auckland in a camp, and then we've had two sessions here, so five sessions altogether. So it's hugely pleasing to get the two results. Um, but the most pleasing thing for me is the manner in which they've gone about getting those results, which is the performance. So you were happy with the uh, the five-one win over Samoa tonight? Yeah, I was. Uh, we we controlled the game. Uh, we again we're trying to implement a playing style with a very new group of players. There's only two players here that were with us on that under-20 World Cup campaign in Cam, uh, Cam Brown and uh, Dane Schnell. Um, so we've we've been, again, just trying to... I want to I replicate the way we played under-20 level on the world stage with this age group. Um, I've seen before when teams have come to the islands uh, that maybe adapt the way they play because of the conditions or maybe the pitch. Uh, I'm a big believer in we have good players, and if we can create an environment, we can put a structure around the players that we have. We should be playing a, a game of football and a, play, a, a type of football that is very pleasing on the eye and one that players enjoy because we have good players in the country. So we need to, to give them the opportunity to showcase that, whether that be at qualifiers in the islands or whether that be on the world stage. 
And that's an awesome uh, thing to do as well. And I mean, it must be tough for, for the boys to, to do that in the in the heat, but it seems that so far that they're pulling it off. Yeah, they are. They're, they're pulling it off. Um, and again, it's now just about adding layers to it. Uh, again, we've only had a very short lead in, um, to this competition. And you tie that into the fact that we're an under-23 side. Um, and I say under-23s, the, the average age of our team that started the first game was 19 years old. Um, but we're an A-group team that's competing in a full senior international competition. Um, so all the other teams we play against here and are competing in this competition in the Pacific Games. Um, they're at full strength, nearly. Uh, and they've, they're it's their full international teams. So, I mean, you look back at previous results from four years ago when the All Whites took not quite a full strength team, but a very strong team to to the same event, which was tied into the Olympic qualifiers at the time. And again, the closeness of the games, it's a full credit to the players that we have with us at the moment. They've been able to, um, one, get the results. That's two wins from two now. But uh, again, show that they can play and play in a, a way of football that um, I think New Zealand footballers are very capable of playing and showcasing themselves uh, here um, and you've had an established relationship with Logan Rogerson he's come in obviously and scored a couple of goals is that uh, some leftovers from the Phoenix there that, that's pulled that through yeah I coached I coached Logan when I was at the Phoenix for three and a half years uh, firstly as an assistant coach and then as a head coach I actually gave him a couple of games towards the, the last the last couple of games of the regular season in mm. my time there uh, and Logan's a good kid. Uh, he's a good guy. He's um, he's the most experienced player we have here in terms of he's obviously represented the All Whites and been to quite, quite a few age group moments. And he's uh, he's played the professional game, um, so he's got a lot of good attributes and experiences that he's able to share. And the one thing that I've really noticed in him uh, in the three-year gap, maybe that, oh sorry, two-year gap now that from when we last met, is the move overseas to go and do what he's been doing in Germany and. He's really developed himself as a person. Uh, he's a good guy. He was a good guy anyway. But he's got some really um, good personal attributes uh, that he's really developed in his in, in his self as a person, which I think has really helped the group in terms of added value. But that's really helped his game. And for him to score five goals in the first game and then two goals tonight, um, it's just a, a small piece of what he's, he's capable of doing. And someone else who's worked with a lot of these guys is um, your assistant coach, Hiroshi Miyazawa. Um, what's your relationship with him like? Because I know that you were with him at the Under-20 World Cup and it looked pretty solid there. Yeah, Mia's good. I have to try and get him. Uh, I have to stop him at the World Cup jumping over the back of me when we score goals. Otherwise, <laughs> it's a solid relationship. Uh, the, um, the, uh, the good thing was Mia. Mia's been in the country for 15 years and has been coaching for 15 years. So a lot of the guys, especially of this age group, um, whether they are still at Oni Hunger or Auckland-based or they're now overseas or down in Wellington, at some point in their careers, if they're not currently, um, they've all crossed paths with Mia and, and a lot of them have worked under him. Uh, so the relationships he has with those players uh, are, are key. Um, and that's a big thing in, in the environment that I want to create and I do create with the 20s and now with the 23s is... It's key you have good people. He's a very good coach, but again, he's he's excellent with his man management skills and he's got great relationships with the players. And that helps form a, a very good, positive environment when they come into camp or they come to an event. And is it kind of weird being only 34 and, and him being the assistant and you being the head coach? No, not really. Uh, I've been coaching now for 17 years. Um, so it's... Uh, 
I started coaching when I was 17, so I've, I've been fortunate now to be in that environment for a long time. Um, you know, the last 12 years I've been in the professional game, so generally I've I've been younger than the majority of my peers um, in terms of the players I, I coach. So I'm kind of used to that now. And again, I had that at the Phoenix, being a, a young coach. I was 31 at the time. Um, and of course, we had players like Andrew Durante and Vince Lear and Glenn Moss, who were between 31 and 35. Um, but again, it's more about the relationship you have with these people. And again, the big, the big thing I'm around is you, you don't need to be the expert at everything you do. Um, what you need in terms of, in my opinion, as a head coach, you need a good eye on surrounding yourself with good people who are very good at what they do. And in some situations or most situations, they, they may be better at doing certain things than you. And then your role, in my opinion, as a head coach, is to utilize the strengths of those around you to what make sure that the players are getting the best experience they can. So in Mir's example, if he's better at delivering a set play session, he should deliver that. If the analyst is better at delivering a presentation in terms of his presentation skills, they should deliver that. Um, and it's very much coming away from the hierarchical, oh, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but, <laughs> Yeah, the hierarchy of head coach, assistant coach, and sort of if you would go all the way to the bottom, van driver or kit man, and it's the same when players come into our environment. It's it's not a case of um, you are the most experienced, you, you, uh, you know, one to twenty-one. It's very much uh, more of a facilitator role where everyone contributes, uh, and that's hugely important to me. Surround yourself with good people who are good at what they do, and then allow them to uh, to use their skills to enhance the group um, and add value to the group. So you have kind of moved past that point of feeling added pressure at being so young and, and expected to do so much by kind of surrounding yourself with the right people and having a team ethos where everyone's on the same level and you all work to the same goal. Yeah, I think so. If anything, I mean, I've, I've done 10 years now in youth development in, the, in professional game and I've done seven in the last in the senior space. So I've been fortunate to work with good people. Um, and if you, as long as you've got a clear direction and you're clear in what you want to do and people understand where they fit and how they fit and how they contribute to that environment, um, I think that's been the key. The key learning, especially over the past five years, has been that. And I think in terms of a head coaching role and making sure that the players get the best um, best access to everything that's available to them, I think that's the role of the head coach is, yes, of course, you need to be strong and have a very clear direction and whether it be a playing style or philosophy, um, but you also need to recognise your weaknesses as well. And if you have weaknesses, there's nothing wrong with others knowing more than you. But it's about making sure that um, when they come in, they know what they're what they're buying into and what that environment looks like. And just a quick uh, sidetrack, and we will get back to the Pacific Games, but you went over to Stoke after that Wellington Phoenix job. Um, was there a difference in opinion or something that caused you to come back to New Zealand? Or uh, was was it something else? Or did you feel like you had a bigger challenge and you still had unfinished business in New Zealand um, rather than a, and then a, something happening with you in Stoke? Yeah, I love my time at Stoke. Uh, obviously, I'll have the head coaching role at the end of the season um, and they, they give it to Dario Kalasic. So I wanted to stay. Uh, I'd, spent, I'd spent three and a half years building a life for myself in New Zealand. I'd worked across federations. I know the landscape. Of course, had the role at the Phoenix for three, just over three years. Um, so I, I, I was keen. I was always keen, and I knew there may be change. Um, but the, the role at Stoke was fantastic. It gave me opportunities to work uh, in and amongst first team staff and players, um, and also contribute to uh, obviously that 23s group, which is their reserve team uh, in a coaching capacity, which was from a learning perspective was fantastic. Um, uh, just an example being the last 
the last game we had. Um, we played at St George's Park, and we've we had first team players uh, would always drop down into our 23s group if they hadn't played at the weekend. And just on a monetary value alone, <clears throat> without dropping names in, we had 60 million pounds worth, so 120 million pounds worth or dollars worth of players who had been paid for in that change room. So that's that's probably something you don't get access to here. Not that money it's not about the value they're at. It's just the does that challenge you as a coach? And that was the, the real thing for me. It was recognising that I know what I'm about. And for me, that didn't change whether there's $120 million worth of player there uh, or there wasn't, you know, whether it was 23s or it was seniors. And that was probably the, the one thing that really helped enhance my coaching and understand what I was around. Um, and they were, they were really good. Club was fantastic. The people I worked with were fantastic. Um, and when the opportunity came up uh, to come back, uh, I spoke to spoke to my boss, and he said I'd be disappointed if you didn't take it. Uh, you don't get very many opportunities in your life to to lead a country, which I had the chance to do with the twenties through a qualification process to a World Cup, and then to to tag that onto an all-white gig and work in the, in the senior environment at the international level, whilst also getting the opportunity to maybe go to the Olympic Games. You don't get those type, those opportunities in your life, and tie that into. in the first place I think we just had a moment of, of dropout there yeah yeah we just had a moment of dropout there but um, I, I, I got the general gist of that and I hope I hope it recorded as well because that was a fantastic story about your time and, and coming back and challenging yourself um, as well from, from leaving Stoke it's, it's a big decision to come back to New Zealand um, and leave that professional environment and it seems like you've come back and, and you want to embrace that challenge I think the next the, the natural way to progress that is to talk about the fact that the All Whites job is up for grabs um, and you've expressed an interest uh, and do you think that success or failure in this tournament and the uh, the upcoming tournament uh, for the uh, the OFC Men's Olympic Qualifying Tournament uh, and then potentially the Olympics as well will define whether you have a chance to step into that role? Um, there's a lot of questions in, in one. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've expressed an interest. Uh, what, what I did say when, when I was asked uh, was uh, it's very much obviously down to New Zealand football and what they want to do and the people that make those decisions. Um, if they want me involved in that capacity, um, I've, I think I've been in the country for just over five years now. Uh, and in the roles that I've had, um, so at the Phoenix as an example, took over at a time when the team had lost six out of eight games and were bottom of the table. Uh, so taken over after after that, managed to put a points per game ratio together that should the season have started when we took over, uh, we'd have made the playoffs. And so to to turn that around from six six losses in eight games to then pick that points tally up, you know that, that's 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 a big swing in my opinion. Um, so that's at club level, uh, international level. Then with the twenties, uh, obviously the qualifiers we had back in um, back in August of last year in Tahiti. We had huge. Uh, we were hugely under-resourced, uh, hugely underfinanced. We had a, a, a very big unavailability of players for various reasons. And not only did we go and qualify, but we went and won the Oceania Championship and smashed a load of records on the way. Uh, I think we we're only the fourth team to to win off win all the games being there. It's most goals scored, um, and loads of internal measurements that we have here. And then, of course, the recent success, what I define as success at the Under 20s World Cup. Um, 
more in more in the way of which we played. Uh, so that's something that I see um, play, and not just age group players. I see that cont- this will now continue through with the under 23s. The way that we want to play in the 23s will be exactly the same way that I set the team up with the under 20s. And if I get the opportunity to do that with the all whites, I will continue that through into the all whites. So, um, in terms of will the this competition at the Pacific Games or the Olympics determine that I'd like to think the five years that I've spent and what I've hopefully achieved and shown that I can do coaching in New Zealand would um, would put me in a good space uh, I've also got the 10 years in youth development working in the professional game uh, and again the last seven years you know you take the, the, the Phoenix stuff on to now the last year and a half working at the international level um, I've worked with most of the all whites whether at, at club level so it's uh, probably a combination of those. I don't think this Pacific Games will determine that. Of course, we need to qualify for the Olympics. That's very important to us. Um, and again, it's very important that we put a plan together now. It's been a bit of a, a busy time the last two weeks with Fritz obviously stepping down and uh, a change of, of, of head coach. Uh, but we need to put a plan together that gives us the best chance of um, qualifying, which, again, just revolves around being very clear on when our camps are, uh, when the fixtures may be, and then getting around and doing what I've done for the last 16 months, which is engaging with clubs, engaging with players, and engaging with coaches. Um, and that's been the the key uh, to, to having that success with that 20s, and, and hopefully something I get to continue on. Great. Well, that's a fantastic answer to a very long-winded question, so I think you did really well there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll bring it back to the Pacific Games now. What are, what are your thoughts on the uh, the tournament as a whole do you see it as a, as a key tournament that you want to win, or is it more of a stepping stone to that um, Olympic qualifying tournament in Fiji on the 21st of September? Yeah, it was always seen as an opportunity to see players that we hadn't seen um, in terms of, of, of... We knew the 20s World Cup was happening, and there had been a lot of work that had gone into IDing players through that process. Um, but there was obviously... a, a when we go to this, this specific games and the Olympic qualifiers, we're also now allowed um, 1997-borns and 98-born players. So it opens up two further age groups for us to, to access players from. So that's what this was originally seen as. Uh, that's the team that was selected by Fritz. Uh, that is, is, you know, we've, we've made some changes to bits and pieces, but Fritz submitted a 40-player list to the New Zealand Olympic Committee, which we've um, selected to these players that are here with us from. And that's exactly what this is. Like I said, the average age of our team that kicked off the first game here was 19 years old. So it's not a, we're saying an under-23s team. It's not an under-23s team. We're, we're much younger than that, competing in a full senior international competition. So it's an opportunity for the to see the players, not just on the pitch, but away from the pitch to see what they're like as people. Uh, it's, a, it's a chance for them to also see what we're about and how we want to go about our business Uh and again, you tie that into the conditions, the pitches, and everything else that will come as part of that Olympic qualification in Fiji late September. Uh, it, it does serve an identification purpose. But again, this is a tournament football, and it's an opportunity to also focus upon some results. But I would rather the results come as based on the back of good performances um, that will allow players to showcase themselves. And you've got games against Vanuatu and PNG to come next. And as you say, it's a team of average age of 19 against some um, quality men's teams with full internationals and, and guys who've been playing for years. 
Um, what are your plans for those? Is it more of the same, just keep the same style, or, or do you have specific ideas of how to combat um, some of those more physical guys and, and technically gifted guys in the PNG team, for example? Um, I've got a sort of general rule that I've put into to our environments with the with the twenties over the past eighteen months, and it's it's, it's an 80 percent twenty percent kind of rule, and it's eighty percent us, twenty percent opposition. Um, we have good players, we have very good players, and I think sometimes we we pay possibly too much respect to the opponents that we play we, or we face, and we worry too much about them, where actually we should be focusing our time and attention on uh, setting the framework up and getting ourselves ready to show what we're about and what we can do. Um, and that's been very much the case since, again, I arrived last February through the work I've done with the 20s, and it's certainly something we've continued into this 23s environment. So we will continue to try and enhance our playing style, and we'll continue to try and look for areas that we can hurt them. And, of course, the 20%, we, we of course, have to look at maybe what threats they pose uh, and make players aware and, and maybe tweak a couple of things out of possession. But otherwise, it's very much about us, what we do, and how we're going to go about doing it. Yeah, that's interesting because my next question was going to be about if you if you did make it to the final uh, and and face someone like Roy Krishna, you've got a lot of inside knowledge about him. Um, so would you have something a certain plan to stop him? Yeah, we take him out early. <laughs> no, it's it's good. It's good. I've seen I've seen Roy. It's great that Roy's here. You know, to have a player that's just had such a successful season at club level with the Wellington Phoenix and pick up the. Johnny Warren medal for the A-League um, you know he's a he's a hugely um, uh, humble guy uh, and again he's over here after a big move to India uh, he doesn't have to be here but he's here leaving his country because it means a lot for that to, for, for him to do that um, but again we've we've got good players and all I'd see that would be as a challenge for I mean we've played uh, Billy Jones there this evening alongside Rob Tipperloo and yeah, we may we may do something slightly different against the Roy Krishna, but again, it wouldn't be too too different. We wouldn't change our game um, hugely for that. We'd, again, we go back to that twenty percent. Um, we'd be as flexible as that, wouldn't it? And what are your thoughts on the the tournament format in terms of that? It's got a bronze final and a gold final after pool play. Uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how it works. Have you have you kind of got a a sense of what it means? Yeah, it's a tough competition draw, um, for, especially for us because we play. Our schedule this week is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so you're only getting 24 hours of recovery in between, which is a hugely tough ask of any player, whether they're playing amateur football or professional football. So it's a very tough ask. Um, and the other teams that we we play we're playing, um, they have a bye at some point during the the tournament. Um, so some of them have played Monday, their bye was Wednesday, so today, and they'll play Friday. Unfortunately for us, our buy isn't until the end of the uh, our tournament finishes. So we, we play Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We'll play Monday again. And our buy round is on the Wednesday of next week, which, again, if we don't finish in the top two come Monday, the buy is useless to us because we may not need it. <laughs> um, so the, co- the competition format will be if we finish in the top two of our group, um, we would then get – that's where the buy would become useful because we'd finish playing on Monday – and the next game for us wouldn't take place, I believe it's on a Saturday. Yeah, um, so we'd actually get four or five days worth of recovery, uh, whether it be a bronze medal game or it be the gold medal game. So, yeah, that's where we'll get our rest in. Um, but it's gonna, it's, you know, it's a tough ask for, for, for these guys to come and keep backing up, but we're doing as much as we possibly can. 
we've just had 21 of them in uh, a couple of blow-up pools we've brought across here in, in ice baths um, just out on the, the front lawn here so we're getting as much um, recovery into them straight after the game of course with food and uh, electrolytes and all the other things that you, they can get access to now um, to get them ready for that, that next game yeah, I was going to say, with a relatively young squad as well, um, you'd, you'd expect them to be able to back up and, and continue on. And with all of the sports physio stuff that we have these days, uh, getting their bodies through the line and, and rotating the squad as well, um, you'd expect them to be able to get through it, <laughs> the young lads. No, yeah, you would. But at the same time, I mean, we, had, um, we made five changes this evening uh, to make sure we continued uh, we're actually we only got 19 players out of 23 that could have came and there's a whole host of reasons for that but we're already players down um, in terms of what we could have here and to a point where again player welfare is, is important to me and looking after the players that we have because they're not our players they're clubs players um, and again players want to know that you care and we certainly do care about the, the players we have here to a point where we'd made I'd made three substitutes uh, in the game this evening against Samoa and I'd made sure I'd done them around the 60-minute mark to try and keep people fresh. Um, and the last, I think it was the last 15 minutes, um, Ollie White was okay, but he looked like he was starting to struggle. So I just took him off, and we played the last 15 minutes with 10 players. And that was of no disrespect, I hope, to Samoa. Uh, but that was more just player, looking after the players that we have, especially with Ollie, to make sure, again, I don't want him tearing anything to put him out for, for a week or two weeks. Um, so player welfare is quite important to us. As it, as it should be, and uh, that's awesome to hear that yeah, player welfare is being taken. Uh, first and foremost, it's the safety of the player and to make sure that they're fit for the later rounds, um, especially if you can get into that gold medal game as well. You want your full squad at your disposal and you want to be able to make those key substitutions at the right time. So, uh, yeah, absolutely the right move, I think, and I'm sure that most people would agree, especially if you're already four goals, five goals uh, to the good. That's the way to do it. Um, well, Des, I mean, I've, I've gone through all my questions. Is there is there anything else that you'd like to you mention before we kind of wrap this up? Um, no, I've just been hugely uh, hugely impressed and pleased. With, again, I've been getting around the country in the last the last sixteen months. So I moved back here. Um, I moved back here. So twice I've moved to New Zealand. The first time I didn't know anyone. The first time I landed here, and the the way I was made to feel welcome initially uh, was hugely appreciative and then the second time coming back I've, I've got round and engaged with so many people uh, clubs coaches players uh, parents and everybody has been so open and willing to share information and engage with um, both me as a coach and also the, the national governing body so again whether that be the, the federations I've got round to the general landscape uh, the Phoenix um, uh, local ISPS clubs the local clubs um, just a just a thank you really to, to those guys and girls for being so open in, in terms of sharing what they have and allowing me into their environments Awesome, well thank you very much all the best for the rest of this tournament and beyond uh, we hope to catch up with you again before the 2019 OFC Men's Olympic Qualifying Tournament in Fiji and uh, thanks for agreeing to come on again No worries Connor, any time if there's anything I can help you with um, always, always on the phone Awesome. Cheers, Des, and this has been the Total Football New Zealand podcast. See you next week.